Welcome to Femboldened, a podcast where inspiration meets aligned action, where science meets spirit, and where you've landed to enliven the bold within you. I'm your host, Angelica Pascone, multidimensional healer and empowerment coach, specializing in helping heart-centered high achievers like you to shatter their personal and professional self-built glass ceilings. Get ready to awaken to your truest potential as we dive deep into the emboldened stories, wisdom, and medicine of our fellow impact-driven visionaries to energize you into living your bold. The only question is, are you ready? Let's get started. Fem Bolden. Hello, Fem Boldeners. I am really thrilled to be sitting down with Anne for the first time. Anne and I met through Podmatch, and she has quite the story. Anne, how do you pronounce your last name? Hints. Hints. That's what I thought. And I, I always asked beforehand, but I forgot this time. I knew there was one more thing. Well, Anne is a spiritual teacher, speaker, and author on a mission to change the world from the inside out. When Anne was 19, she woke one morning to find her mother dead in the bathroom. 20 years later, the tears that from that trauma were still just under the surface. Anne found a simple technique that helped her release these emotions, but she went further and now can put that her awareness inside her body and has changed the bone structure of her skull and grown a half an inch at age 55. Anne has found seeking out her truth, what we feel, and accepting those feelings is the key to inner peace. Anne is here to share that we have this incredible power within all of us. Anne, so great to have you. Welcome. I love to know how you are today, but I also love asking who you are today and what's alive for you today. <laughs> Hi, Angelica. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, who I am today? I, I am just me. I'm always <laughs> just me. <the> answer. <laughs> <laughs> right. I always try to be just me, <laughs> but I'm also a wife, a mother. I'm um, I live in California from England, so I have a mid-Atlantic accent. Mm, la, la. So, yeah, if you're listening from England, you might think I'm American, but I'm not. I'm British <laughs> and American. I'm both. <laughs> and what was the other question? Uh, what's alive for you today? What's alive for me today? Yeah. Um, just life. Just life. Yeah. I love the simplicity in your answers. I have, um, you know, there's, there's many people in the spiritual world, in the coaching world that have these long drawn out answers, but yeah, it's, it's life. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. My, my goal was always to find inner peace and to be at peace with whatever's happening. So I'm right here right now. That's beautiful. Yeah. And you have quite the story and it, it doesn't sound like life started with inner peace. It was something you had to find. Would, would you love to dive into your story and, and I guess what steps brought you to who Anne is as herself today? <laughs> okay, I'll tell you who I started out being. So I had quite a bit of trauma in my life, you know, not more than other people, I don't think, just some. Um, I was born with my right foot up against my right shin. So my first six weeks of life, I had physical therapy. And then I was handed over for adoption and I was handed over to a family that had just suffered trauma because they had a two-year-old boy that had been adopted and then they adopted another little girl and they had her for six months. And at six months, her birth mother changed her mind mm. and they had to hand her back. Oh and I was the replacement into the family for that loss. 
my gosh, that's quite a responsibility to put on a little one. I mean, not that was intentional, right? But that that emotional responsibility. Go ahead. I, I didn't. Right. Know well, it was it was I think traumatic for everyone, right? Even yeah. my brother, right, who had had this other little girl in the house and had lost her, and then this stranger wow. replaced her. So he never liked me. <laughs> so that might have been why. But anyway, so um, you know, my parents wondered if the same thing would happen to me and my birth mother, but it. My birth mother didn't change her mind. So at six months, we started traveling around the world because my it was my dad's job was to work in telecommunications around the world. So we moved to Barbados first. Mm. And then we moved to Sierra Leone in West Africa when I was about two to three. And while we were there, we had a house fire. Mm. I woke up one morning and heard something and finally opened my eyes because I couldn't work out what the sound was. And it was the sound of flames coming into the bedroom. Mm. So that was another trauma then where then we moved to Hong Kong and while we were on in Hong Kong we were sent to boarding school in England and I was sent to my brother's boarding school which happened to be a boys boarding school so mm-hmm. I was the first girl boarder at a boys boarding school wow. which was really pretty horrific it was a beautiful school but I was teased mercilessly for those two years that I was there so that wasn't good And my dad already had anger issues, had a very short temper. But during my teenage years, both of my parents became alcoholics. So living at home was really not very pleasant. I used to say that I was living in hell. And so that wasn't very good. And then when I was 19, I did wake up and found my mother dead on the bathroom floor. But by that time, you know, we're programmed in those first years of life. We're programmed into how to live life. We're sponges, we suck it all up and we put in our subconscious minds. And so I had been trained to just suppress everything. So that's what I did. I just kept on with life. I just, just hit it all. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. So then I moved out, I graduated, I was a software engineer, I moved out to the States when I was 21, worked in Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. got married, had kids, and um, it wasn't until I was in my late 30s and my boys were fairly young still, but I realized that I was reactionary, and, and what really brought it home to me was a business altercation I had with a couple of other mothers at school. And they were very self-confident, self-assured, authority type women. And I was this scared mother on the inside. And they told me that I'd done something wrong. Mm -hmm. And my mind just spun out of control. It just went over and over and over it for about three days. I couldn't sleep. And that's when I realized I don't think this is normal. I think normal people wouldn't react this intensely to something that really wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that, oh, maybe there's something from childhood because it felt like how I would react when my dad told me I'd done something wrong. Yeah. So that was the first inkling. Maybe there's something from childhood that's still affecting me to this day. And, you know, maybe I should look at it. Mm-hmm. So it happened to be in that time frame that I had a doctor's appointment. And he was a holistic physician. And I don't remember why I went to him. It was nothing to do with any memories or anything like that. But he recognized I was really stressed. And he asked me what my stress level was on a 0 through 10. And I said it was an 8. And then he asked me why. And it was that question that made me realize, oh, it's from finding my mother on the floor when I was 19, which was two decades earlier because the tears were still just under the surface. I hadn't looked at them. I hadn't done anything with them. 
But he happened to know this technique that's called EFT, which is short for emotional freedom technique. It's also called tapping because we tap on certain places in our body as we're talking something through. And he tapped with me about my mother's death for about 15 minutes. And I walked away from that appointment, being able to tell the story in my mind without the tears there anymore. And that was the first time I realized that we hold all those emotions and those memories physically in our body and that we can let them go. So that was eye-opening for me. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. I love EFT and tapping. I, I even went ahead and got my certification because I found it so powerful. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, so did you did you take those 15 minutes and then continue to do that on your own? Well, I got home that day and I went online and I learned everything I could about it because it was given away by Gary Craig for free. So <laughs> anyone can go online and learn how to use it. And I wasn't entirely sure that I believed that that one experience with the doctor was, was a fluke. Was it a fluke or was it really that powerful? So I wanted to try it out. And at the time, I had a 17-year-old cat at home and his kidneys were starting to fail. And we'd been told he needed to have a daily saline shot. So I was going to be the one who had to give him this shot. And I was so afraid of giving shots. I've never done it before. So the first time I gave him a shot, my hand was shaking so badly. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it every day. It was just too stressful. So I tried out EFT. I tapped about it. I tapped about every aspect of it. So I tapped about my hand shaking. I tapped about my fear of hurting my cat. And I tapped about all the memories from all the injections I had had from moving around the world. I had had a lot. Mm. And the next day when I gave him that shot, the needle just slid right in. Wow. All that fear that I had been holding inside the day before had totally gone. So that's when I realized two things. I realized how deceptively powerful EFT is. Doesn't mm. look like it's doing much, but it really is. And I realized that the freedom was on the other side of that fear. And that is where I wanted to be. So that is when I started using it. I started using it every day. I started noticing when I was emotional, which in itself is not easy to do, right? Because we get so caught up in our emotions. So I would get, it would get easier as the days went by, right? Maybe I'd catch myself one day the first day, maybe twice the second day, but it would get easier. And each time I would tap and bring myself back to the present moment. And I found things improving. My, my mind was getting more peaceful. I was getting a little less reactionary and I wanted more of that. <laughs> so I wrote down every emotional memory I could think of from childhood, several sheets of paper. And each night I would go through one of those events. I would tap through it for about an hour to an hour and a half each night until it was all gone. And then the next day I would do the next one. And over those months, because it did take months, mm -hmm. I found just things changing so much. My mind was becoming peaceful. It was becoming quiet. I was less reactionary. I was more peaceful inside. So I was finding more peace in my household. And I remember one day opening my kitchen door and actually saying to myself, it feels like I'm living in a different reality. Because my mind, which had been so busy right all the time talking to me, and it had been negative and judgmental and critical, those voices, those words were not there in my mind anymore. And it was quiet and it felt different, right? It was something I'd never experienced before. So it was, yeah, it felt amazing. Mm. 
I love that. Could you, I'm, I'm so curious because everybody's so different. When you first started training yourself to catch yourself in emotion, when you're in that emotional charge, what, what were your cues? What did you learn that your cues were? That's a really interesting question <laughs> because, right, I suppose it is different for everyone. I would just notice that I was getting riled up about something, mm-hmm. right? And I, I didn't have the awareness that I have now, so we will talk about that. So at the time, I, I would just notice <laughs> that I was getting frustrated or getting angry. Or, Got it. Yeah, yeah. So what I realized EFT is doing, it's opening up the subconscious mind and it's expanding our awareness. Now we use that term awareness a lot these days, Mm -hmm. but I really didn't have an understanding of it to begin with, but now I do. (laughs) But I realized that I was starting to become aware of my emotions during the day, right? To begin with, if someone had asked me, how how am I feeling today, right? How are you feeling today, Anne? I would always say I'm fine, right? Because I, I didn't know, I couldn't hook in with how I was feeling or I was too embarrassed to say it or something mm-hmm. but I became more aware because I'd been doing the tapping of the emotions that I was feeling during the way during the day but as I went on there's actually a deeper level of awareness than that I became aware of the physical sensations underneath the emotions mm. so we use the words right anger or frustration or sadness But what we're really describing is where we're holding tension inside of our bodies, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you see someone in the distance, you can kind of tell if they're sad or if they're angry by their posture, by how they're holding themselves. Mm -hmm. We can become aware of that in ourselves. We can become aware of those feelings or I call them physical sensations. Now, I happened to be in the group group at the time. We were studying A Course in Miracles. And I was in this group when I started doing EFT and the guy, kind of the guru, the head of the group used to say each week, it's not about meditation. You don't have to meditate, which I like to hear because I didn't want to do that. It's all about feeling your feelings. But when I started tapping, I didn't know what my feelings were. So it didn't really mean much to me. But as the weeks went by and I did more and more tapping, I started to be able to feel my feelings. So then I thought, well, what does he actually mean? What does it mean to be able to feel your feelings? And I realized it wasn't as easy as it sounds. It should be obvious, (laughs) but it wasn't. So at this point, I could actually feel the sensations inside. So I would be doing this at the the, um, kitchen sink. I would be doing the dishes and I would notice that I was thinking a thought that had some emotion. So for me, it was normally fear. So I'd catch this fearful thought and then I would feel this fear. I could feel the fear for me would normally be in my solar plexus. I could feel it as a kind of like a tension or a discomfort in my solar plexus. So, okay, now I need to feel my feelings. How do I do that? So I I would focus on this sensation in my solar plexus. But I noticed as soon as I moved or as soon as I took deep breaths, I would lose it again. I wouldn't be able to focus on it. So I stopped myself like a statue. I held myself totally still and I stopped breathing when I was feeling this tension or this fear in my solar plexus. And I would just talk to it. It sounds like a really weird thing to say, but it held my attention on it. Kind of like with EFT, we use the words to keep our attention Mm -hmm. on the feeling. 
doing the same thing. So I'd say some things like, okay, I can feel this fear in my solar plexus. I just want to feel you. I just want to allow you to be felt. I don't want to change you. I just want to feel you. And at some point, I would need to take a deep breath. And when I took a deep breath, I would feel a slight shift in that fear. So then I would think the thought again that had the original fear, feel it again in my solar plexus, and it would have diminished somewhat. So then I would feel it again. And there'd be another shift. Then I'd think the thought, feel the feeling again. And I would do it again and again until that thought had no longer any fear left inside of me. Mm. At which point it's free. The attachment to that thought is then free. Mm-hmm. And it felt, it felt really good. Yeah. So I started doing this each day instead of doing the tapping. I'm now doing it at a deeper level. And at night, instead of doing the tapping on my childhood, because I'd done that, I would lay on the sofa and I would feel collective traumas. So I would think about something like 9-11, right? We all had our own experience of that collective trauma. So I would feel all those emotions and those feelings and just allow them to be felt. And they would dissipate. They would leave the body. like They would just let go. Hmm. So I would do this over and over again. So that was, it felt like a second step to me. Hmm. Now, at some point during this process, and this is where it gets even weirder, (laughs) I actually realized I could keep my awareness inside my body after the tension had released. So imagine you have a toothache or a stomachache. You can pinpoint with your feeling sense, right? You can feel where that pain is coming from inside. But once the pain is released, you can't find that place again. You can't feel that place again because there's nothing calling your attention to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I found I could keep my awareness inside. And I'd never heard of this before. It was totally new to me. And it felt very different from feeling on the outside. So I was just playing around at this point. Well, I've done it once. Can I do it again? And I found that I could. Okay. So now I can do this more than once. What do I do with it? So I started playing around and I found I could move my awareness around inside. And I was working in my lower right abdomen at the time and I moved my awareness around and I found a place with tension. So I just did the same thing that I was used to doing by this point. I focused on the attention, just allowed it to be and noticed it would relax. And then I would do it again and again and again. So now I'm doing at a much deeper level of awareness than I was doing with the feeling, the feelings, and deeper still from EFT. So it's all the same process. It's mm-hmm. accepting or noticing the truth, accepting it, and that's when the shift happens. So I would do this over and over again. I'd move around my body, release tension on the inside. felt really good to release tension that's been inside for decades. Mm. And then it took many, many months. But eventually I got my awareness inside my head, which was really weird, kind of eye-opening for me because there was so much pain and tension in my head. The forces pulling my bones out of alignment were just incredible. And I had been living with these pain, this pain and these forces for 50 years at this point without any awareness that it was inside of me. So so that was huge for me. It really made me realize 
how much we store inside of us from our past and we have no awareness of it. Mm. It doesn't mean it's not there, right? So you might be listening and saying, oh, I don't have any pain or tension inside of me, but it's just we're not aware of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just kept working on it a little bit at a time. I had a, I had a technique now, right? I could focus on it and it would release. Do it again and again. And at some point I actually heard and felt something releasing it sounded and felt like old fabric ripping and that's when I actually did some research because I wasn't sure I was hurting myself or not (laughs) (laughs) and I realized it's an adhesion in the connective tissue or the fascia right I'd released enough tension that it could release Mm -hmm. so then I would do that I just keep going I realized I wasn't hurting myself but I would just keep going and you know these days I actually feel it many many times a day but Eventually, it got to the place where I could actually feel my bones relax because I'd released the tension in them enough that they would just relax. Felt really, really good. And so I actually had x-rays taken last year, 2021, compared to 2013 and can actually see that the x-rays have changed, that my eye sockets have aligned. My jaw was way off to the side. It's way more centered now. And my neck my whole body has been twisted, I think, from being born with my right foot up against my shin. I have had scoliosis. And so I think it's unwinding now. Mm-hmm. So my neck is way straighter than it ever was. And I've grown half an inch as a result of that release of inattention. My goodness. <laughs> so this, this, thank you for sharing all of that. That's extremely powerful and, and very humble, by the way, as you... <laughs> as you go through it all. Right. Um, it's taking EFT to a whole nother level and many deeper levels. Have you come up with a term for what you've been, I guess, this technique that you've refined? (laughs) Well, it's, I would, you know, it's three, I mean, it's different techniques, right? EFT was the first technique. Mm -hmm. Then I call it feeling your feelings. (laughs) right pretty simple (laughs) and I don't really have a term for actually going inside the body it's still feeling feelings it's feeling tension but it inside the I mean I think it's the original meaning of the word insight right that's just why I call my book a pathway to insight because Mm -hmm. it's actually sensing inside the body it's it's not looking in the way that we look outside but it's sensing I can sense light and darkness on the inside and I can sense tension and no tension on the inside. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so the answer is kind of. That's that's beautiful. Is this something that you've went on and taught others? I others have been working with the techniques. Yes. I have one friend who has managed occasionally to sense inside the body. And it's so fun to experience that with her, mm-hmm. you know, and to hear what she's experiencing because. It was eye-opening for her because it felt so different from feeling outside. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, you know, it's, unless you experience it yourself, you can't, it's hard to put it in words, but it yeah. is different. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine that. And, and I was just, I asked because I'm curious to know if, if once the ability is, uh, I keep using the word refined, but mastered or practiced, I, I can only imagine that it's, the sensations and the experience is different for each person, much like our, our intuition is, is different for each person. You can, 
you know, give one meditation to 50 people and there's 50 different experiences within that, that meditation. Quite possibly. I, that's something I don't think we will ever know. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but also whether we could do it with certain emotions is going to be different for each person, right? Because we we have these hooks inside of us, you know, triggers that yeah. things will hook, right? So if something triggers one person, it may not trigger another person, right? And if depending on the trigger, right, if you get so caught up in your emotions, that is when or if I get so caught up in my emotions, that is when I would still use EFT, mm-hmm. right? But if I'm not as triggered or if I let go of that emotion somewhat, then I can access deeper levels. That makes sense. But if I'm really caught up in it, I probably can't get to those really deep levels. Right. And, and you know, I think I've I've mentioned this to our to my listeners before is you're not in those those moments when you're in that emotional charge, you aren't supposed to be able to think logically because you're that's your human aspect and you're trying to outrun a saber-toothed tiger. That's how we've been built evolutionarily, right? It's not thinking about the emotions of the saber-toothed tiger. It's just getting at a dodge, <laughs> right? So there's also self-forgiveness in that um, before you're, you're able to, and doing whatever you do, whether it be tapping, screaming into a pillow, actually running, you know, releasing, um, of course that, that emotion first, there is, there, there needs to be this level of self-forgiveness because we aren't, we're human, right? We're not these, these superheroes we are, but we're also superhuman who are superheroes with that are humans. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that you, you reiterated that. As, as far as, you know, the, the depth you can go into. Um, and, and you're right. I feel like a lot of these experiences, I know when I started doing Reiki healings, everybody would ask me, well, what's it like? And I'd say, I just kind of got to experience it for yourself. Right. And, and it was so funny. I had a friend who is a radio local radio host videotape her Reiki session and we use it as a little promo. And after she was done, I said, okay, Liz, what was that like for, for our listeners? And she said, I really can't explain it. You're going to have to <laughs> experience it yourself, right? Um, but goodness, it's so powerful. I'm curious to know, so is this, has this become, routine? you see, you had mentioned, and I, I, I want to make sure I, I clarify, this has become a routine for you every night, you said? Well, those first two steps were a routine. Okay. Right? Yeah, after after dinner in the evening, I would lay on the on the sofa and do that inner work. But but it's such a part of me now. I do it whenever I have a moment. I couldn't originally multitask when I was feeling inside. I would like have to have my eyes closed mm-hmm. and and be relaxed. But now I can do it when I'm watching TV. I can do it when I'm walking. I can do it pretty much any time other than when I'm having to think hard or when I'm talking. Mm. So yes, it's very much part of me. It's the the last thing I do at night. First thing I do in the morning, if I wake during the night, as I said, it opens the subconscious mind. So you actually become aware at a deeper and deeper level. So each time I feel inside, I'm called to the next layer of tension. Mm -hmm. And I work on that. And, you know, the next time I feel inside, it may be the same piece of tension that I'm working on it may be somewhere else but there's always <laughs> it would be nice if there wasn't another layer at some point you know we talk about the onion right we peel one layer of the onion then there's the next layer 
So there's many, many, many layers. We're just only shown some at a time. And that's why we don't have that deep awareness when we start this work. We have to work with the layer we're on, Mm -hmm. release that, and then we find the next layer. But I'm working at this point on my bones, right? The tension inside, mostly my palate and my cheekbones and my jawbones and releasing really dense old tension that's been Mm -hmm. in there forever. (laughs) But still, I'm only shown that next layer at a time. This is really interesting. And of course, not at all a coincidence as I'm experiencing TMJ strain. And my awareness has been that I hold all my tension in my face. And actually I went for a Reiki session and she's like, you hold tension in your face. I'm like, how did you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you do know, right? Because I remember going to an orthodontist maybe a decade ago and, and he said, because I used to have migraines, he said, mm-hmm. you you hold a lot of tension in your jaw. You must hold a lot of tension in your jaw. And I said, I, I don't think so. <laughs> right because, because it was normal right it didn't have that awareness yeah but boy he was right I held so much tension but I just was not aware of it mm-hmm. so yeah and I do think I actually think that's where we start I think that's where we start I mean this awareness I, I'm my awareness is through the connective tissue it's through the fascia I believe that's what I'm looking through mm-hmm. and I think that tension gets stored in those first years of life, when we're feeling something, but we're not free to express it. We hold it inside, right? Think of the obvious one. And I wish I hadn't done this with my boys, but when you're trying to take a photo of a young child and they don't want to smile, Mm. but we encourage them to smile anyway, right? That's a pull on their connective tissue inside. And I believe it gets stored in there. So we do hold so much. I would never even thought of that. That is an excellent example. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we do it. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We do. Oh my gosh. That's, that's completely right. Yeah. But then also, you know, children, right. They, they get shouted out and they're not allowed to cry. Yeah. Right. That's holding it inside. I I think all those tears, I believe all those tears that we never shed in childhood are still inside of us ready to be shed once we find a way to let them out. And these techniques allow them to come out. I shed many, many tears on my journey. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. Wow. Yeah. That makes, it makes total sense. My goodness. Um, and, and even as, as, um, as children and adults, right. We're, we're, how many times do we hold back what we actually want to say to we're so much, there's so much emphasis on the throat chakra and being closed off or not speaking your truth, but okay. That's, that's the chakra. What about our physical bodies? And so right. yeah. I think they're all, I think they're connected though with the oh, yeah. connective tissue, right? It's, it's, mm. it's all connected. Yeah. And I mean, that's been one of the things I've learned along this journey, right? It starts out with emotions and words with the EFT, right? And I, it's moved more into the physical body. And now I'm releasing dis-ease or I'm aware of the dis-ease inside that I'm releasing, right? Physically in the body. But I believe even with EFT and the tapping, we are releasing the physical tension or the physical dis-ease inside. We just don't have the awareness of it at that point. Mm -hmm. So even though we're using words and emotions and memories, we're actually releasing the physical dis-ease. So it's all connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever encountered uh, tension that wasn't ready to be released or there was a hesitation on on your part or a judgment where... You just didn't want to let it go yet? 
there is some tension that will not let go. Yes, it's very, very dense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yes, yes, I have. Yeah, and and I, I, you know, I can, I guess I, I can attempt to explain or imagine that that's a lot of those tensions are very much a part of an identity that exists. That's that is there's fear associated with not. I know this. I guess I'm speaking on my behalf. <laughs> I'm not assuming anything <laughs> on yours. Um, that that it, yeah, it's it's this. Uh, uh, when we lose an identity, there is this um, this hole of well, who are who are we now? Uh, and I know I, as as a PA, and I've been a counselor before too. When somebody retires, there's a lot. Of, there's almost like a depressed period because there's a loss of identity. And I, all of this to say, I'm sure. It's, it seems to me as though some of that tension has an identity within us or we've created an identity around it. Um, and that's why sometimes it can see, seem stubborn. And right. for me, I'm asking this, I think this is me being selfish because I know if I attempted to do something similar on my jaw, there'd be some self-sabotage and I feel more comfortable with it than I think I would be without it sort of thing. Like, okay, but when I'm mad, where am I going to put it? <laughs> sort of thing, right? I guess that's the, that's the conversation I'm, that's going on in my noggin right now. Um, right. So but, those are the words you'd use. You'd tap with EFT and use mm-hmm. those words, right? That, that I'm afraid of letting it go because I don't know where I put yes. the, the anger inside of me. You'd mm-hmm. tap using those words because that's what you have access to right now. Right. Like, even right. if you don't have access to the tension in the jaw. Mm-hmm. But once you've let go of that resistance that you have, you go. then you would be able and willing to access the tension in the door, which you could just do through tapping, right? You can mm-hmm. use the words, you know, I'm holding so much tension in my jaw and you could tap with those words. Right. Or you could actually feel the tension and allow it to be felt, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. see what shifts. And you will probably feel a shift and you might feel it shift somewhere else. Right? I, I, whenever I release tension in my not whenever sometimes when I release tension in my jaw it will also release in my neck or it might even release all the way down to my right foot mm-hmm. because you don't actually know all you're shown is what the, la- the layer you're on the layer of the onion you're on and you can work with that layer but it might actually shift a different layer underneath mm-hmm. it's funny that you you just mentioned the disability you were born with. I was curious to know, and this is the first time we're meeting. So, and I, I always think on a spiritual plane. So um, forgive me if this is crossing a boundary. I'm curious to know if you feel this ability is something that uh, existed with you on a soul level. So something you learned in past lives that you were born with, and you, you just had to reaccess. Um, and if so, I'm just finding it very interesting that with, you know, I I do something very similar called a hydropathic attunement, whereas you work with the connective tissue and I find it um, synchronistic that you were, you were born with that disability, with that right foot on your, on your calf. That's an interesting question. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I I think the soul resides in the connective tissue. I think I'm feeling through the soul and the, all this, these adhesions actually distort the signal that we pick up from spirit. And that's how our ego manifests. So mm. um, whether 
yeah, I don't know. I do think I went through everything I went through in childhood. I mean, my birth story is actually way crazier than I actually mm-hmm. told you. You know, my birth mother found me when I was 17. Then my adopted mother died when I was 19. Oh, wow. And then just I found out about my father this past year, this year. Oh, my. Yeah, I found out that my father died um, in 2013. And I have a half-sister that I've just been getting to know. So, But I remember thinking when I was... 1920 I guess after my mother had died that my story and I didn't know half of it at that point but my story was so crazy there has to be some reason Mm. why I've gone through what I've gone through so maybe you know maybe that was something someone talking to me (laughs) saying okay time to start remembering but it it took another two decades yeah what what is time right (laughs) right Oh my goodness. And, and, you know, I, as, as it's so funny that we're having this conversation too, because I was thinking while rocking my, my toddler down for his nap this morning um, about a Joe Dispenza book. Um, I forgot which one it was, but in it, he was talking about how we can heal collective trauma. So I'm going, I'm bouncing around a little bit, but I'm, at least I'm remembering what I wanted to ask. <laughs> that's, that's a big deal. It's <laughs> my mom brain. Um, but I, and I, and I don't know if you're familiar with this example, but he used an experiment and I, I'm probably going to butcher a lot of the details, but the idea was a random group of people were given random names to pray for. They were told these people are in the hospital, pray for them. And then there were, there were also names that were chosen that weren't prayed for. So the control group, and it turned out that these individuals that were prayed for actually got better and were discharged from the hospital. They might've all had the same diagnosis, like pneumonia or something like that. And it was all at the, all at the same time, those people that got better though, and this was all randomized, um, or all of those people, the time, I think the period of time was like the 18 to 1900s. So they had already died. But the, so, so time doesn't exist, right? And we can heal collective traumas no, no matter when it is. But I found that to be, I'd love to actually read the study, but I found it very interesting that something like that occurred. Mm-hmm. And, and when, as you were speaking about your second step, trying to heal collective traumas for those who are like, okay, she lost me here. What, what, <laughs> what is she doing? <laughs> there, there is, you know, uh, evidence of it being like time doesn't exist and we're able to cross those planes really easily and and bend time and space to allow for that yeah well I the way I think of it I think of it through the law of attraction Mm -hmm. and here we we most of us know that phrase law of attraction I'm not talking about it in terms of manifestation but just in terms of everyday life right I, I think of the whole of us as being a signal and we are emitting a signal every second of every day and we're attracting back into our future what we're emitting right now so it's based on what we're emitting right now is what we're attracting back into our future so if we are feeling all these negative feelings that's what we're attracting into our future right so if i'm feeling really angry about something that's happened on the news or some politician Mm -hmm. that is then my signal and i'm attracting that anger back into my future well, I decided I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. so determined to change. Mm-hmm. So I would notice what my signal was during the day, right? How am I feeling right now? Do I want to feel this way again in the future? And most of the time, my answer was no. So if my answer is no, I need to change my signal right now. 
because that's what I'm attracting back. So even taking a deep breath is going to make a difference at that point. But to me, tapping really changed my signal, right? It would bring me back to peace. So then I'm changing my future by doing that, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm changing my future. I'm attracting peace back into my future. So if I can do that with everything that's happening, not just my my local environment, right? My, My husband, my kids, that's really good too, right? definitely do that but if I want to go further I can bring myself back to peace when I'm thinking about Ukraine or Uvalde or or um politicians right the election anything that I think kind of is outside of myself but it's not because I'm experiencing it if I can bring myself back to peace and just live in peace then that's what I'm attracting into my future So that's how I believe we can change the collective. It's done on an individual basis, right? We can all do our own work for how we're feeling around any division that we're having these days. Yeah. Yeah. We have some emotions around it, right? Either side has some emotions, whether whether you're aware of it or not. If you're Mm -hmm. on a side, you have some emotions about the other side. And you can do this inner work and bring yourself back to peace. And that could change everything. Wow. Yeah. I love that perspective. That's amazing. I'm curious to know if during this journey and um, really self-realization, was there ever a, was there ever fear of what other people were going to think and, and how did you move through that? (laughs) Well, my, yeah, my family probably thought I was nuts. I remember I should preface this by sharing, and I think I might've shared this on the podcast before, but it's a funny enough story to share again. Um, when I first had my spiritual awakening and I remember I read, um, oh goodness, it was something I can't believe I remember. I can't remember it. Um, I think the miracles of water, miracles in water. Um, I believe the author is Dr. Emoto, a Japanese author. And it was all about how we could change with our thoughts, the, the, how, water molecules become for the patterns within frozen molecules. And it was all of these experiments. Um, and I remember reading that and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, what else do I have access to? Right. And this, this whole world opened and my husband came home and I gave him a hug and I said, water molecules and Chris, I just love you. And I want you to know that. And I remember him, he like pushed me away. He's like, I think you have a, and he was, he was concerned. I think you have a brain tumor. And he wasn't joking. He was very concerned. And I think I was, as a, as a physician assistant and, and receiving all of my, my intuitive downloads, it was, it was a challenging thing to, to juggle both worlds at the same time. And of course, as I came more and more out of what I call the broom closet, it became more, it came, came more easily to, to be who I was and to say, yeah, I can prescribe you meds, but I can also see your grandmother and she wants you to know. <laughs> this, that, and the other thing. Right. Um, so I'm just curious to know if that there was like a similar experience. And, and I know for me, there, there was, there, there became a new kind of tension with the release of old tension within relationships. And those who knew me best didn't seem to care. And I really didn't lose the friendships that I really wanted to hang on to, but I'm curious to know what your experience was because we all have different experiences. (laughs) Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, I come from an engineering background yeah. too, so it wasn't mm-hmm. natural necessarily. But for me, I was just so determined to change. And mm-hmm. and I remember one time I actually said to my husband, "I'm on a path, so don't don't pull me away from it." 
but but you know it got to the place it just felt so good I didn't want to do anything else it felt so good to release this tension and I knew I was on a path at each at each point I could feel it's like well this feels the best why would I not do this and I just kept going Mm. so yeah I mean but but no one else in my family has followed me right no one else has done the same thing but they also didn't really have well my husband certainly didn't have the traumas that I had Mm -hmm. and hopefully my boys haven't but I mean they certainly have some Mm -hmm. and but maybe they're just not old enough yet right they they have to live their own life and that's been part of the process is letting go of that need for control, mm. which I think a lot of us have. I don't know. I certainly had it from alcoholic parents, right? It, it was mm. so out of control. I felt safe when I knew what was happening around me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I wanted to control things. So I, I had to let that go. And and it's still a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I, I actually search out things now because I want to go deeper. I want to heal at a deeper level. So I, for, for many years, I wouldn't actually watch the news because it was mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. But now I do I actually watch it because I want to know what's triggering me so I can release that at a deeper level still. Mm, I love that curiosity. That's amazing. How you had mentioned earlier too, and I'm just curious how that inner peace has, has completely changed your outside world. Would you be able to provide examples of, of how the outside world's changed? Yeah, I mean, so much has changed. I mean, not necessarily my physical surroundings, although, gosh, I have a very colorful room I'm in now. And that, <laughs> that wasn't the case. I have been an artist through my life, too. And I started out really very detailed, perfectionist pencil drawings, pencil portraits. And now, well, not so much recently, but in the more recent years, I paint in color, acrylics, multiple different layers, multiple different colors, not nearly as perfectionistic, right? So that has changed. I'm, I'm less controlling, right? <laughs> things, It's okay when things fall apart. I know I'm not going to fall apart anymore, right? So I'm more balanced on the inside. And so I'm more balanced on the outside. I'm more peaceful on the inside. I experience peace around me more on the outside pretty much regardless of what's happening, mm-hmm. which feels really good. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. <laughs> and I can, uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it almost seems like in, in your process of letting go of control, you've gained more control without the attachment of the control. Right. Well, certainly more peace. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Which, which could feel like control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that when, some friends have done this similar work. They've got to a place where they're not sure what it is they're feeling now. Is it is it boredom, right? Because they've not experienced this kind of peace before. Mm. And I say, oh, well, could it be peace? And that's when they realize, oh, yes, it, it could be peace, but they've never experienced it before. Wow. One person called it an inner calm that she hasn't had in decades. Mm. So, you know, we use different words for it. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like to use the word peace. Um, so other things that have changed. Well, one of the things I love that has changed, I love to sing to myself in the car. I do not have a good singing voice. My dad used to tease me all the time about my voice. Mm. I love to sing in the shower. I love to sing in the car. Mm. And there were notes that I couldn't sing before. Yeah, I think it's that chakra, maybe the throat chakra. But anyway, as I realized how much tension I held in my head and started releasing the tension, I realized that our head is really the echo chamber for our voice. Mm-hmm. So 
I became able to sing these notes that I could not sing before, right? So my voice has changed, which is, you know, a reflection of our inner vibration. Mm -hmm. So that has changed, which is really fun. If people like to sing, that's a fun thing. (laughs) And so, yeah, those are some of the things. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. I, and I, I really appreciate how you're, I mean, you're not just experiencing that or you not, you have not just experienced this, but you're, you're really making an effort to share it with, with everyone. So they have, they have access to this option themselves too. Right. Right. I did this myself for pretty much free, right? I didn't, Mm -hmm. I just, it was all inner work. I did myself. One of the other things that was really fun is seeing my x-rays, you know, my x-rays from the front or on my webpage, anyone can go and look at them. But um, in one of the videos on my YouTube channel, I actually show the ones from the side. Now, the one from the side in 2013, you can see that that person is not a particularly self-confident person. Mm. But the one from last year, 2021, that profile, right, the way that skull sits on the neck, right, that that looks like a more self-confident mm. person from the posture, right? So all this inner work has actually changed the connective tissue structure so that I am standing in a more self-confident pose, which, you know, it's it's one and the same, right? I am more self-confident, which came first, I don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> just to know that this inner work can change that, right, at that deep level, because I would have loved to have known that 20 years ago when I was that really scared mother, young mother who um, didn't have any self-confidence, right? So this inner work changes you at a really base level. Mm, My goodness. Such an incredible story and such an incredible outcome. I'm really excited to see where your journey continues to take you. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you, more about your journey? Where, where do you hang out? <laughs> I hang out mostly on Facebook. I have a public <laughs> Facebook page and, okay. and a very small group that's, that's growing. I'm happy to interact with anyone on there. Mm. And I have my YouTube channel. So I have videos on there, EFT demo video. Mm. A lot of the EFT online these days has gone more positive. And it's not the positive that's stored in us. It's the negative that's Mm -hmm. stored in us. Mm -hmm. And that's what EFT is so good at finding and releasing. Mm -hmm. So there's also a a video on there, feeling your feelings. So more words so you can experience a little bit more. I I like that. I like that. And I have my book. Yeah, I was going to say, and you have a book too. Where can they find your book? You can find it on Amazon. It's called The Pathway to Insight. And it goes through the steps, right? So you can go through in detail and do them yourself if you want to. And I'd love more people to do this work because I really do think we can change the world. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I can't thank you enough for being here today. Certainly I have things to work on for myself and (laughs) it's perfect timing. I can, you know, I I laugh every single episode. I'm like, "Eh, here's a message for me, right? (laughs) As is always the case. Um, And I'm, I'm really so grateful for your story, for you and for your medicine. Thank you so much for being here and for being you. Bolden.